Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Hey, hey good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, it is really good to be with you all. Like Michael said, my name is Andrew, and if we haven't got a chance to meet yet, I'd love to connect with you after the service. And again, happy Mother's Day weekend to all you moms and grandmoms, stepmoms, spiritual mothers. Thanks for all that you do uh, to love and care for all the rest of us. And I hope you feel loved and cared for this weekend. And for those of you who have moms, I hope you remembered to get your mom a nice gift. And what makes, what makes a nice gift? What makes a gift a good gift? Hopefully it's something that's thoughtful, something that's useful, something that shows that uh, you know the person well, right? Those are all things that make a great gift. But moms, have you ever gotten a gift that wasn't so great? Like maybe it was intended well, but it wasn't so great. Like maybe you got something that wasn't very useful, like this first gift, a, a calendar from last year, right? Like who doesn't like grumpy cats, but it's not gonna be very helpful if it's from last year. Or what about a gift that might be fun for some people, uh, but you, would rather, you really would enjoy. Like if you are afraid of heights and you get this gift. Um, yeah, I, that, that mom doesn't look like she's very excited at all. The dad in the background's like got a smile on his face thinking, I did pretty good. Uh, but no, I don't think so, not having it. Um, or what about a gift that's a little bit offensive? Like, like just honestly, a little bit offensive, like, like this gift, like this gift. Um, moms? Like, yeah, like, like even the baby is like, yeah, dad, you messed that one up, right? Like, why, what were you thinking? No, uh, hopefully, hopefully you get much better gifts than those moms uh, this year. We're continuing in a series that we've been doing the last couple of weeks along with the rest of the vineyard uh, called Empowered, where we're exploring the question of who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit and how are we empowered uh, through him. And over the last number of weeks in this series, we've talked about how the Holy Spirit is the great revealer. He's the great baptizer. He's the great prophecy giver and healer. And, and today we're talking about how the Holy Spirit is the great gift giver. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit knows how to give really good gifts, not like some of the ones mentioned above. Uh, but um, as Christians, the Holy Spirit wants to give us spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, some of which we've talked about uh, over the last couple of weekends, we've talked about healing and, and prophecy, but I think it's important that we talk about them in a general sense as well, because there's a lot of confusion around spiritual gifts and, and how we're called to partner with the Holy Spirit and utilizing them. So, so let's pray and invite the Holy Spirit to be with us, and then we'll dive into this. So come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you, you would help me move in the spiritual gift of teaching right now, Lord. That you would teach us this morning what you would want us to learn about spiritual gifts, what they are, what they aren't. Uh, help us to, to have a healthy understanding of how you are a good, good gift giver. Pray that in your name, amen. Amen. So what are spiritual gifts? What are they? Depending on your background, uh, your own personal experiences, maybe your church history. Maybe, maybe if you're a newer Christian right now, you might be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Spiritual gifts, never heard of that before in my life. 
or you might have a fairly solid understanding of, of what, that, what spiritual gifts are. But just to make sure that we're all on the same page, a spiritual gift is a God-given special ability given to a believer by the Holy Spirit to glorify and praise God and to build up the body of Christ. That's what, that's what a spiritual gift is. The spiritual gifts are first and foremost spirit-filled gifts, meaning that they come from the Holy Spirit. He is the originator of them. He is the empower of them. And second, they're gifts. They're gifts given to every believer in Jesus, uh, meaning that they're ours to receive. They're ours to accept. They're ours to open up. They're ours to experience and to learn how to use. But like every gift, like every gift, they're not something that we earn or they're a reward for a job well done, or they're like a merit badge where we've completed all the requirements. You know, as a kid, I was in Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts and I loved earning merit badges. And I remember going and like, you know, learning how to use a, a bow and arrow and all the safety and learning all the requirements and getting that merit badge. But that's not how spiritual gifts work. They're not like merit badges. It's not like as a Christian, you have to achieve a certain level in your Christianity, a maturity in your Christianity, where you have to be a Christian at least for three years, and you have to read the Bible from cover to cover at least twice, and you have to share your faith with seven people, and then you can check off these boxes and get this spiritual gift. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. They're gifts. They're gifts. And even on Mother's Day, we don't really give our moms gifts because they've earned them, even though they probably very much have. We give them gifts because we, simply because we love them. We love them. And that's how God feels about us. He loves us and he wants to give us his kids gifts and spiritual gifts. So what are some of these spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit can give us? Traditionally, there are four passages found in the New Testament that list different gifts. And they're found in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. Uh, 12, 12, 4, 4. That's how I remember that. It's 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Romans 12, Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4. And some of the gifts mentioned in each of these passages are mentioned more than once. Some of them are kind of synonyms for each other. It could be considered um, similar to each other. So depending on your, how you're counting, most people agree there's around 19 to 20 spiritual gifts mentioned in these passages in the New Testament. If you want to throw up that chart, uh, these are the ones that kind of go through them or found in those passages. So the gift of administration, the gift of apostleship. Apostle is a word we don't use a lot. Apostle means sent one, somebody who's sent. So a uh, gift of apostleship is somebody who's like sent out to do a new ministry. Church planters, missionaries, those kinds of people often have the gift of apostleship. Um, discernment, gift of discernment, encouragement, evangelism, faith, giving, healing, helping or serving, depending on how you, what you're calling it. Hospitality the gift of hospitality, interpretation of tongues or being able to understand unknown languages or interpret an unknown language or an angelic language, a gift of knowledge, leadership, mercy, miracles, pastoring. You can, you can have the gift of pastoring and not be a pastor like that as your job. You know, a lot of our small group leaders have the gift of pastoring. Uh, prophecy, we talked about that one last weekend. And teaching tongues, speaking in different languages or angelic languages, and the gift of wisdom. And again, you could argue semantics, and some of these are being similar to each other. Some scholars might say some of these are duplicates. But never once, never once is it ever mentioned in the Bible that these gifts, these listings of spiritual gifts, 
are intended to be exhaustive. That, that this is it. This is all the possible gifts and that's it. There, no, that's, not, that's never stated in the Bible. In fact, Michael mentioned a few weeks ago that as a, as a young man, as a teenager, he, he took a little test, a questionnaire, and he found out he had the gift of, of martyrdom. And we all kind of laughed at him if you were here, if you remember that, uh, and chuckled like, who wants that gift, right? That's not a gift that anybody would, would want to have. Uh, can you take that one back, God? Um, but we see other gifts too, in the, I think in the Old Testament. We see the, the Holy Spirit give the gift of artistry in Exodus 31 and craftsmanship, where he, he empowers a, a few individuals to, to build the Ark of the Covenant, to build the tabernacle beautifully. Uh, we see in the book of Judges, the story of Samson, if you're familiar with the story, he is given, essentially the Holy Spirit fills him up with supernatural strength which that's a gift I'd love to have. Uh, that's way cooler than martyrdom. Uh, but, uh, but, um, but, but so, there's, so it's not meant to be exhaustive when we think about these gifts. But why does the Holy Spirit give us these kinds of gifts? What is the purpose? What's the purpose of spiritual gifts? Well, twofold, twofold and it goes back to our definition, really. Uh, and the first purpose is to glorify and praise God. We are given spiritual gifts so that we can reflect our attention back onto him. And so the people around us will see God and give him just praise and glory. First Peter four, one of those passages I talked about in verses 10 through 11 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever, amen. The first reason the Holy Spirit empowers Christians with spiritual gifts is so that people will give God glory and praise. So, so it, it's a point people to the awesomeness of God and invite them to worship him. When we're moving in the gifts of the Spirit, it's not so people will look at us and think about how amazing we are. No, it's not about that at all. It's actually so that people will look at him and think how amazing he is. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter five, there's this great story, and many of you know it. It's a story of, of a, man, a paralyzed man, and some of his friends are trying to get him to Jesus. They've heard about Jesus, how he can work miracles and heal people and move in these spiritual gifts. And, and they're trying to get to him, but the crowd's so thick, they can't get to him. And Jesus is in the home, he's in this house. And so they go around kind of the back of the house, they climb on top of the roof and they literally start peeling apart the roof and they lower their paralyzed friend on the mat down from the roof, if you know the story. And Jesus is, he's so impressed by their perseverance and their faith, he heals the man. He says, pick up your mat and walk. And look at what happens. Verse 25 and 26. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Now again, at this point in Jesus' ministry, people weren't thinking he was the Messiah yet. He, they weren't thinking he was the son of God. That, that hadn't crossed their minds yet. And and, but look who, they're, look who they're praising. They're not praising Jesus. They're praising God. They're talking about God the Father. They're praising God the Father. And it's not just the paralyzed man who does it, who's praising them. It's everybody. Everybody is praising God. Everybody is praising God. A couple of weeks ago, uh, 
We were talking about the spiritual gift of healing and a woman named Deb in our church came forward asking for prayer for healing in her back and, and knees. And she had lots of pain from fibromyalgia and arthritis that she struggles with. And, and I watched um, two women in our church pray for her. And I watched that she encountered the Holy Spirit in a really powerful way. She was shaking and just and, and, and re- re- received a lot of relief from her pain in her back and her knees. And she was bending and bobbing. And I could hear the words coming out of her mouth as I was watching her getting prayed for. And she was just thanking God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Praising God. Praising God. And, 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 it, and the two ladies who were praying for her weren't upset by that. They weren't like, hey, wait a minute, where's our credit? Right? They, no, they were praising God too because they knew it wasn't them. It was the power of the Holy Spirit working through them in that experience. They were giving God credit, everybody involved was praising God. And, and I wanna brag on um, Heather for a bit. Heather, come here, if you were here last weekend, uh, and she preached on the gift of prophecy and she did a wonderful job. And I watched, I watched people come up to her afterwards, after the service, and use the gift of encouragement, just to encourage her. And I've seen her do this many times, because she's done it to me many times. If I ever, ever give her a compliment, almost always, every time, she responds with, oh, praise God. Oh, praise God. Like, like she deflects it. In fact, better, she reflects it back onto him, like giving him the praise, giving him the glory, setting a good example. Uh, but again, don't stop encouraging her. She does a great job, but, um, but know that she'll probably just say that. Uh, whenever we experience spiritual gifts, whether we're the recipient of them or the one the Holy Spirit is working through, it should always cause the people involved to go, oh my goodness, isn't God good? Oh my goodness, he's real. Oh my goodness, he's alive, he's caring, he's loving. Praise him, praise him. So that's the first purpose. The second purpose is to build up the church body, to build up the church body. First Corinthians 12, four through seven, Paul writes this in his first letter to the church in Corinth. He says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It's for the common good. Then in Ephesians 4.12, Paul, again, he writes this now to the church in Ephesus, that the gifts are given to equip the people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The body of Christ may be built up. Paul is talking about here how the various gifts of the Spirit are for the common good. They're not primarily for our own personal good. Um, And they're for the good of the body of Christ. They're for the good of the body of Christ. And he goes on to talk about how all the different parts of the body are necessary and important in having a healthy body, just like in our human bodies, right? The eye needs the ear, you know, the eyes need the ears, the ears need the hands, and, and so on and so on. Unfortunately, though, I think what too often happens, though, is the body is not completely healthy because certain spiritual gifts are sometimes, sometimes suppressed in a local church. Certain gifts that might make us feel just a little uncomfortable, like they're a little too risky Oftentimes it's the gifts that we think are of as more supernatural, but, but technically they're all supernatural. All the gifts are supernatural. They're all from the Holy Spirit. But sometimes those gifts aren't given space to be practiced or they aren't encouraged because uh, they make people feel a little bit uneasy. 
And the, the problem with that is that, that there, if those certain gifts are discouraged or aren't expressed, then the body's weaker than it should be. The body is limited in how strong it can become. Now, I really, I really enjoy exercising. And I know when I say that, some of you are like, really, you like exercise? Like, who likes exercising? I actually really like to exercise. I try to exercise a couple times a week. I've just learned that I feel a lot better. I, I sleep a lot better at night. I'm in a lot better mood. You can ask my wife. I'm a lot less snappy. You can ask my kids uh, when I'm exercising regularly. Uh, and my favorite way to exercise is by lifting weights. And again, I know what you're thinking. Clearly bodybuilder, right? Like, obviously, like just screaming. Uh, yes, I will not be winning any uh, weightlifting competitions anytime soon. But I, I really enjoy that. And a few years back, I wasn't really um, growing or making any progress. I kind of plateaued for a, for a good amount of time, especially in like bench pressing. You know, I, I hit 10 pounds. I couldn't seem to get past 10. Um, but uh, uh, but, uh, but I, I talked to a friend of mine in this church who is an avid lifter and he looks like he's an, a lifter. And, um, and I said, hey, can you give me some advice? Like, I seem to be, just be stuck. And so I, I was just trying, I was talking to him about it. He said, he asked me a few questions. He said, you know what your, your problem is? Your problem is not your chest muscles when you're trying to learn how to bench press. It's actually your, the other muscles of your arms and your shoulders. He gave me advice that I didn't expect. He said, I actually think you should stop benching for a while and just work your deltoids, your shoulder muscles, work your triceps a lot because you're, you're using them when you do this motion too. And they're actually what's the problem in keeping you from growing and getting stronger. And so I did that. I did that for a couple of weeks and I was lifting 20 pounds like that. It was awesome. Um, but, but the reason why I bring that up is because um, it's, it's like that with the church body. It's like that with our church body, that uh, all, of, all of the parts of the body, all of the muscles have to be strong and working in unison together to be the healthiest part of our body. Otherwise, we're gonna be limited in, in what God can do through us and, and how we can grow. Like, like um, if we're just okay with expressing spiritual gifts like evangelism, telling the good news, of Jesus to someone, but we're not okay with praying for healing or a miracle for someone and showing them the good news. If you were here a couple weeks ago, we talked about the show and tell ministry of Jesus, right? Then we're gonna be not as strong of a body as we could be. We're gonna be weaker than we, we should be. The body is strongest when all the gifts are working together and none of them are ignored. The other advice my friend gave me was he asked me the question, hey, how often do you work out the opposite muscle groups? In this case, your back muscles that you don't really see that much. And, that, that, and I, and I kind of thought, well, why, is that, why, why are you asking that? He said, because, because eventually if you don't, you're gonna be unbalanced. Your body's gonna be unbalanced. And an unbalanced body is an unhealthy body. And if a bodybuilder, again, like myself, uh, doesn't, doesn't, uh, just works like chest muscles, but not your back muscles, then over time, you know, my shoulders are gonna start to come forward. My posture is gonna start to get worse. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna have back issues, and back pain and neck stuff. And, and I'm gonna be, have a weaker, weaker body. And so he said, every time you work out a particular muscle, you, ha you need to have a plan 
to work out that opposite muscle group is equally as much. Otherwise, it's gonna lead to an unbalanced body. And again, too, I think that's true when it comes to exercising the gifts of the spirit in the church body as well. You know, if someone's exercising the gift of leadership, they have ideas and, and vision in their small group, but, but they don't have people in their small group to, who have the gift of administration or are exercising that gift, then things just aren't gonna get done. Things aren't gonna get implemented, right? And that small group is not gonna be as strong as it, as it could be. Both gifts are necessary. Someone might have the gift of speaking in tongues, but in a public setting like this, that really doesn't serve much good unless, unless someone also has the gift to exercise it, the interpretation of that tongue, to explain what that, what that means. Both are needed. And this is why, this is why the gifts that are maybe, maybe a little less shiny or upfront are so important. Like gifts of helping and serving, gifts of mercy, gifts of hospitality. They're like the backbone. They're like the back muscles, the spine that supports the health of the whole body. A church body that is exercising all the gifts of the spirit, all of them, then does not elevate certain gifts as more important than others or doesn't, doesn't suppress certain gifts as less important or, or uh, is, 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 um, is gonna be a healthy body. And that's really what we wanna be here at VCDC. You know? But what, what holds us up from that? What threatens that or keeps us from being the healthiest, most balanced body, spirit gifted body that we could be? What keeps us as individuals, as Christians, who are filled with the Holy Spirit from not engaging in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Well, I think there's a couple of things, three things that I wanna talk about today, and they are disappointment, discomfort, and distorted teaching. Disappointment, discomfort, and distorted teaching. Disappointment, disappointment. Last weekend, maybe you were here, and again, Heather talked about prophecy, and maybe you took a risk, you took a chance. You thought you had a prophetic word for the person sitting next to you, and you turned to them, and and you shared it with them, and then you asked that great question that she mentioned, like, hey, does that resonate with you? And they looked at you like, nope, not at all. Like, crash and burn, like not even close, right? Hopefully they were nice about it. Hopefully they were kind about it, but, but it was like, that didn't have anything to do with them. Um, you know, you might think, well, oh, does that mean I'm never gonna experience the gift of prophecy? Should I just never try again? No. Or maybe, maybe two weeks ago, you tried praying for somebody to be healed, and as far as you know, nothing happened, right? And they're still just in as much pain as they were before. Does that mean you're never gonna see somebody get healed or experience that, the joy of that? All of this can lead to disappointment, disappointment in ourselves, even disappointment in God. And, and let me just tell you an important truth. Here's an important truth. Everyone, everyone fails from time to time when it comes to moving in the gifts of the Spirit. Everybody does. Everyone, that's actually a normal part of the Christian life. Brian Anderson, a vineyard pastor in Phoenix said this, one of the things you need to know about spiritual gifts is that when you try to move in the power of God, that means you're gonna have to deal with failure all the time. You will never successfully move forward in the power of God unless you learn how to deal with failure. It's the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. We expect the yes, Right? We expect the now, but we accept the no, or we accept the not yet. We have to learn 
to live in the tension of those things so that when we do fail, not if, but when, when we do fail, we don't just quit altogether. We don't just give up. We accept that disappointment will be part of it sometimes. So that's the first barrier we have to get over. Have to get over that. The second is discomfort. Discomfort, personal discomfort. For some of us, it's not the disappointment that prevents us from getting more in the game. It's discomfort. Some of us believe in the gifts theoretically, but personally, if I started experiencing some of them, they would make me really uncomfortable. Like the gift of discerning spirits, the gift of discernment, like, does that mean like a demonic spirit could manifest? I don't wanna deal with that. Like, I don't, that's uncomfortable. Like, or if I was praying and all of a sudden I started talking in this unknown language and I don't know what I'm saying. Like, am I gonna be possessed? Am I gonna be out of control? Like, no thanks, no thanks. I'll just stick with the gift of encouragement. God, please, just that one. That one feels more manageable, right? But here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to know. You are never out of control when you are experiencing the power of God and utilizing a spiritual gift. You're never out of control. You're never possessed or can't stop what you're doing. I think one of the ways to think about spiritual gifts is to think of them as like using power tools. You know, if you're building something, you're maybe using an electric drill and or like maybe if, I, I'm, if I'm helping, my kids are helping me, I hand, hand it to my son and say, here, you, you know, put this screw in. You know, he's used to drill before, but not a ton. And so it might feel a little uncomfortable, right, at first, or it might feel a little bit heavy, or when he hits, pulls the trigger, it might torque a little bit in his hand. But, but, um, but that doesn't mean I don't want him to learn how to use it just because it's a little uncomfortable at first, right? And, and it doesn't mean he's still not in total control. Like if he wants it to stop, he can just pull his finger off the trigger and stop it, right? He, he, if, if he wants to do that, it's the same with partnering with the Holy Spirit and, and his gifts. You aren't out of control if you're praying in tongues. You can, you can pray quietly or you can just stop speaking altogether. It's really an issue of trust. The issue of control is really an issue of trust. Like, do we trust God? that in any potential uncomfortable situation, he's gonna guide us, he's gonna lead us. He's not gonna put us in a situation that he's not gonna help us with. Do we press through that discomfort at times? That's the second barrier. And the third, the third is distorted teaching. Distorted teaching. And hopefully some of what I've been talking about today and over the last few weekends has really helped clear some of that up. But if you grew up going to a church where maybe... Um, uh, there were some weird flaky things that happened, things that aren't in the Bible. And, 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 it, and it really made you kind of push away from spiritual gifts altogether, right? Just kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Like, just, like it just made you feel uncomfortable. Or maybe, maybe you had an experience that was completely on the opposite side of the spectrum where you were taught that certain spiritual gifts ended at the end of the first century, right? Or they ended when the last apostle died or, or when the Bible was canonized and officially put together. And, um, and so you may be pulled away from just even believing that certain gifts are, are even possible today. But I hope, I, I hope I, I've made it clear here, but at VCDC, we believe that all the spiritual gifts mentioned in the Bible are possible. And we wanna encourage them, encourage them in healthy ways, healthy ways, not in hurt, hurtful ways or destructive ways. And that's the proper response to improper teaching on spiritual gifts. 
It, it shouldn't be to renounce all spiritual gifts or, or at least avoid all the, all the ones that are weird or uncomfortable. No, the proper response is that we should, uh, we should renounce the improper teaching of spiritual gifts and teach how they're properly used. And, and, and go to the Bible and look how God wants us to use spiritual gifts in healthy ways for his glory and praise and to build the church up, not to hurt it. So, so how do we do that? How do we get over these barriers? How do, we, how do we partner with the Holy Spirit more in spiritual gifts? Well, first and foremost, we, we, we should ask for spiritual gifts. We should ask for more of the spiritual gifts. If you're a new Christian, you might not know this, but you can ask God for spiritual gifts. Maybe you didn't even know that was a possible thing. You know, if you've been a Christian for a really long time, maybe years ago you took a test or a questionnaire many years ago and you, and you said, okay, well, you've realized, okay, well, these are my gifts over here. These are not my gifts. And I'm never gonna experience those gifts. I'm just never even gonna think about them ever again. Well, you can always ask. God might say no. He might say, or, you know, he may say, no, I have that, those for other people. But you can always ask. There's nothing wrong with asking for more. Again, there are passages in these uh, in the Bible, like in Ephesians 4 in the Bible, where it talks about spiritual gifts that I think make it clear that God made you for certain gifts and he made other people for certain gifts. And you know, maybe he made this person to have the gift, gift of pastoring and this person to have the gift of teaching. But then there are other parts in these passages where it seems like the Holy Spirit seems to distribute the gifts however he wants to distribute them, whenever he wants to distribute them at the right time. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says this, all of these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Determines, present tense, like ongoing, like not past tense, like not like he just, he determined for you to have the gift of giving. That's your one gift. That's what you get. Don't ever ask or expect to see miracles. No, it's not like that at all. Again, it's more like a spiritual toolbox of power tools that the Holy Spirit can hand you a, a power tool at this time and say, hey, I want you to use this one right now, right? Like again, if I'm building something with my kids and, and my oldest son says, hey dad, do you think I could use that electric drill right now in this situation? Would that be okay? You know, I might say no or not yet. Or I might say, you know, I have your, I actually, I want your sister to do that. She'd probably be like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but but I, have, I have this I want you to use. I, have, I want you to cut this board with this circular saw and and by the way, my, my son's like almost 13. I'm not giving a saw to a toddler. Uh, but, you know, like, but I might say, yeah, go for it. Use that drill right now. Go for it. You know, it's okay to ask God. I am constantly asking God to empower me with his spiritual gifts in any given moment. You know, many of you are doing this and you probably don't realize you're doing it because you're not using that language. You know, if you're a small group leader, and you're sitting down and you think, okay, I got a small group in a couple of weeks, in a couple of days and I got to think about what I'm going to teach on and share on. And do you ever pray and say, hey, God, will you inspire me? Will you show me what to, to share? Will you show me what questions to ask? You are asking for the Holy Spirit to, to hand you the teaching power tool in that moment. You are asking him to give you the gift of teaching in that moment. Or have you ever got together with a friend just for fun? You're going to go have coffee and, uh, and you're sitting there and you're just catching up on life and you turn to them and all of a sudden the, the, and they're talking and all of a sudden the conversation gets kind of heavy and they start to share some really hard things. 
and some difficult things. Uh, and you're thinking, I don't know what advice to give them. Like, what should I, what advice should I give them right now? And you may, do you ever sit, think in your mind, Jesus, would you give me, show me what to say? You are asking for the gift of wisdom right there in that moment. And you don't realize it because you're not using that language. But you're, you're asking essentially for the wisdom power tool, right? We, we do these things many times and we don't even realize we're asking, but we can ask and we should ask. And then we just, we trust him. We just trust him with the answer. We trust him. And, and as we ask, after we ask, then we have to practice, to take risks. We have to test it. Heather talked about this again last weekend. We wanna be a church. Let's be a church that not only asks the Holy Spirit to empower us with spiritual gifts, but then we practice them. We step out in faith and try them out. And that doesn't just happen here on the weekends. In fact, the primary place where that should happen is in our small groups, in our small groups. You know, when, when Peter and Paul wrote these passages in the Bible about spiritual gifts, they weren't, think, they weren't writing them to churches our size. They weren't writing to, to groups of 100 plus people or 200 people meeting in a big room like this size. No, the churches they were writing to were, were meeting in homes. They were 20, 30 people tops. Essentially, they were, they were large, small groups. And so that's the, that's the number one place we can practice gifts and in a safe space with people who know us and, and who love us. And so again, plug for small groups. If you're not in one, I would encourage you to check one out, uh, check a few out and get involved in one. But at VCDC, let's be a church that asks the great gift giver, the Holy Spirit, to empower us with his good gifts that we can give glory and praise to God and to build up the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.